Hello and welcome back to Find Your Fizz, the show where we explore how we find our fizz and happiness in life. I'm Fizz Yassin, your host of this wonderful brand new show. As well as being a podcast host, I'm also a specialist yoga teacher, a qualified nutritionist, heart warrior, mental health advocate, and an all-round happiness viber. I just wanted to firstly take this opportunity to thank you all for all the lovely comments and feedback we have received about the first episode which came out last week. Honestly, hand on heart, it means so much, especially because I started this podcast as a self-serving project to help me build my confidence back up and to share all the fizz out to the world post-lockdown. Like many of you, I'm struggling to find work thanks to COVID, but you've all given me joy to create this platform to share the good and I hope it's helpful. If it is, please do remember to rate, to review and share so I can make a bigger impact in the podcast world and reach other humans that might need a little bit of fizz in their life. So my starting question this week is, do you remember the last time you did something for someone else without expecting anything in return? If not, I'd consider you really checking in with that this week because apparently in research it shows that when we are doing good in life, however big or small, not only do we feel good about it, but it also helps us boost our well-being and helps us reduce those depression-like thoughts and also anxiety. This week I'm so excited to speak to the founder of the incredible non-profit organization called Soul Journey Yoga, who is changing what yoga holidays mean by encouraging you to really live yoga off the mat through the act of selflessness. We all know when we help others, we feel a lot more better in our own lives. We find better meaning and also we find what happiness actually feels like. While Jordan Ashley, the founder, is truly making a global impact by spreading smiles worldwide. So be prepared to walk away wanting to do more good in the world to feel good. We are recording these conversations remotely. So if you ever experience or hear any technical glitches, I apologize in advance, but hopefully you can take loads of wisdom away from these chats. So let's cue the show. This week, I am so, so excited to have the incredible Jordan Ashley joining me on the podcast. Hi, Jordan. Hey, Fizz. How's it going? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm so happy to be here. Those that don't know Jordan, I will give you a little insight of the incredible work she does. She is honestly one of the most positive, happiest people that I have met over the last couple months, and I'm so grateful for her. So Jordan is not just a yoga teacher, but she's a TEDx speaker and founder of the most amazing organization called Soul Journey Yoga, which is a non-profit organization. And what they do is they host global retreats and teacher trainings to raise awareness and funds for young women's education in less economically developed countries. Wow. What an incredible insight of what you do there. How's lockdown been? Yeah, lockdown's been really challenging because um, all of our projects and teacher trainings and retreats were put on hold and we are now trying to coordinate our 2021 schedule. And so 
it's been honestly like a bit heartbreaking just because, you know, we've had really incredible momentum in terms of going to the same places every single year and supporting our on the ground partners as well. And just, you know, using yoga for social activism. And so we've had to be uh, creative in terms of new ways to raise awareness and uh, expand our reach. Yeah. Wow. Like it's so inspiring. Like when I obviously heard about your incredible work, it was so funny how you got in touch with me to ask me to sort of support the work that you're doing. And of course, I'm so grateful coming and supporting you now, which is exciting. But can you give us a little bit of an insight of what Soldier is and just, just you as a human being? Like, so firstly, let's start off with you. What's the journey been like? I guess, especially in your 20s, because I think that's when we're all trying to find what brings us happiness, what brings us joy. And is this it? So it's been such a journey. And I feel like I'm very much you know, still on it in terms of evolving and changing and shifting. And, you know, some days it's, it's feels a bit like, you know, shoots and ladders or, or candy, candy land and that <laughs> you go like five steps forward and then like two steps back and, and such and such. Um, but I'm sure you heard by my accent, I, I am not a native Brit. Um, no, I- <laughs> no, I'm from uh, Los Angeles originally. So uh, I have that kind of SoCal drawl. And uh, I was, you know, raised um, by uh, divorced parents. So that happened when I was six. And the reason I say that is because I found from that experience in hindsight that I was able to make like very individualized relationships with each of my parents in terms of getting to know them as people as opposed to a unit. And so from an early age, you know, my mom is a very avid uh, animal lover and she actually has her own animal sanctuary in, in California. And so from a really, really early age, she was always, you know, rescuing animals and having me, you know, help to bottle feed kittens or getting stray dogs off the streets. And one time there was a hawk that injured its wing and um, we ended up taking it inside and having to call like a nature reserve. So I think just from that kind of innate altruism and you know her nature in terms of just being able to to give back and having you know selflessness for something that was very much outside of her was just ingrained in me at a really young age and I uh, yeah it always stuck with me and I ended up uh, going to uni in New York and having two um, absolutely fantastic study abroad programs and one was in Cambodia and to me and I've said this before this is that was the seed that planted soldier yoga because I had the opportunity to see you know firsthand what it's like to have you know a charity on the ground and um, I had lived with this amazing woman. Her name's Ponhari Lee. She's a CNN hero, and she has her own organization called the Ponhari Lee Foundation, and she supports over 3,000 kids within CM Reap province and provides them education and has her own girls' dorm. So being able to spend time with her and hear about her journey as a survivor of the Khmer Rouge and, you know, coming out of that and supporting her family and being such a strong, incredible woman in matriarchy was just so eye-opening that's incredible and I guess that that's obviously what what sort of inspired you with all the your incredible work with soldier and like 
I, I think your story about your mum, was that a massive inspiration to how you kind of started developing this with your yoga studies and how you became a teacher? So my mom had a yoga practice and I would often go to class with her and I hated PE <laughs> and I ended up, you know, when, when one grows up in LA, things are sometimes a bit hippie and wonky and fluid. And I actually was able to get out of PE as long as I did yoga. So my mom would sign off when I would go to yoga class. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was really cool and really fun. And so I would say I started seriously practicing when I say seriously, like, you know, going, you know, multiple times a week when I was around 13, 14. And I would, yeah, either go with her or go by myself or try to recruit friends to go with me if they didn't, you know, they wanted to go to yoga instead of go to the mall or something. And, you know, I think having that practice and knowing that at any point I could, you know, go to the studio or go to my mat and having that be time for me and me alone and allowing it to be very explorative and creative and, you know, not having to worry about homework or tests or parents or, you know, dating or friends or any of, you know, those external pressures really instilled in me how important it is to have that kind of commitment in terms mm -hmm. of something that you do be it daily or weekly or you know once every two weeks and knowing that it's always there for you for support yeah and I guess like it's funny you say that because I started my practice around the same age around 13 14 and it very much became my happy place it became my happy bubble like having having that time to, I think it, it's so easy to give so much to others that you forget that this practice can be so much just for you as well do you think yeah no absolutely especially at that time because I feel like you know a lot of girls especially if you're growing up with a lot of societal pressures, especially in like a big city like LA where there's overexposure, it's so important to have something that's just for you when you can shut out mm -hmm. the outside world. And, you know, nowadays it's, you know, just switching off your phone. So no text messaging or DMs or anything like that. And just having it be you and yes, you're in a room full of people and like, yes, it's a collective experience, but you're very much on your own individualized journey. And I remember um, I went to a yoga class and the teacher played Radiohead. <laughs> I'm like, I want to do this. Yes. So cool. She played everything in its right place and to send salutations. And I'm such a nerd. I'm like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, I want to do this. <laughs> That's so cool. And I think it is like at, at the time as a, as a child, you're just trying to you're trying to find something that you're like, yeah, this is cool. I really, I really want to do this. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's a great thing to know that you had that. And a lot of people don't, don't find like Radiohead and, you know, do yoga, which is so cool. <laughs> and, um, I guess what, what in your childhood kind of made you really happy? Do you think? I love animals. I'm, I have a dog. You've seen her. Her name's Maya. She's Chihuahua Dachshund. She's 12 and she's actually, she's paralyzed now. So she has to use wheels and oh. she, you know, kind of hops around, um, the apartment uh, or flat. And, you know, I grew up, as I said, with my mom, always rescuing animals and kittens and dogs. And I had goldfish and hamsters and guinea pigs and like a whole menagerie of creatures. And, I absolutely 
love animals. I know that's such mm-hmm. a like primary school answer, but you know, there's something really special about having to take care of a creature and ha- receiving that unconditional love and that bond that you have. And like, I've had Maya since I was 19, which is crazy. Wow. And I, how old are you now? I'm 31. Um, I'll be 32 in November. So Maya comes oh. to class with me at, at uni and I'd sneak her in my book bag and she'd come sit on my lap for classes. And, uh, but yeah, like she's my solace and my comfort and my everything. And she's been with me through so much and, I just feel really lucky that, you know, at the end of the day or, you know, in lockdown, you know, from working from home that I've got to spend, you know, such an immense amount of time with her. Mm, Yeah. And I think everyone's had a pet throughout lockdown, it seems. I'm like, you know, everyone's trying to get a dog. So you're so lucky to have Maya by your side, uh, which is so special. Does, Does she get to come on the retreats with you at all? No, she doesn't get to come on the retreats. Um, but Usually I leave her in good hands, especially, you know, when I was based in, in New York, um, my mom would come and take care of her and there'd be lots of FaceTiming with her in Rwanda. I'd be using up all my Wi-Fi and data to, to <laughs> the dog. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it has been interesting in terms of, you know, leading retreats and traveling and, you know, having, you know, to leave Maya behind. But, you know, she's always there when I get back. Oh, what a treat to come back to. So talking about the retreats, can you give us a little bit more of an insight for those? I know we've kind of spoken a little bit about what what the work is that you do, which is incredible, which is to support, obviously, women in less developed countries. What is the work that you do? Who do you kind of try to get to come onto these retreats? So... I would say that the retreats aren't for your average person who just wants to go on a yoga holiday. The retreats are more of a cultural immersion in that you are educating, actively educating yourself about the place that we're visiting and also the organization that we're partnered with. And so the idea behind Soldier and Yoga was to use yoga for social activism to fund and support different on the grounds women's education initiatives. And so we do that by having retreats in countries that aren't traditionally known for hosting yoga retreats. So for instance, places that are post-conflict like Rwanda and Cambodia, and also places in which girls' education is very much not a given. So communities like the Berber community in Morocco or um, you know indigenous young women in the Andes and Peru so trying to uh, use yoga as a way to support these incredible young women so we do this by partnering with on the ground education initiatives and each person who comes on our retreat contributes between three to five hundred US dollars that goes directly to that girl's education uh, NGO that we're meeting with and working with. And so it's through changing the way that we give so that it becomes an equal exchange as opposed to something being of hierarchy. That's the way that we have seen, you know, huge waves of impact and change. Wow. So when other people are coming on these retreats, do you feel this sense of like happiness and community and knowing that these people are helping shape what your vision is in order to help women and, you know, the work that you're doing? 
Absolutely. And I feel really blessed that we have incredible supporters who have come on multiple retreats over the years and, you know, they make friends with one another and then they choose their next destination together. And so it's really traveling with a level of selflessness. I mean, yes, you're going to have an incredible experience and see the world and maybe even engage in like bucket list destinations. So Machu Picchu or Anchor Wat or going gorilla trekking. Mm. But then at the end of the day, it's, it's putting in love and compassion and kindness into someone who you would never meet or engage with or encounter had you not you know, joined us on one of our, you know, global adventures. And so I think it takes a special kind of person to want to travel that way and, you know, travel ethically and with a big open heart and, you know, an even, you know, bigger open mind at that as well, just in terms of letting, you know, the multitude of experiences, you know, shape them. I really do hear that. That's so special. And I think I've seen that, you know, hearing about other mutual friends experiences with when they've been on the retreats and how special it is. And also seeing your Instagram, which is amazing. But like we said, it's not just retreats you do because you do teacher trainings, right, as well for teachers, um, yoga teachers in particular. So we launched our first teacher training in Rwanda called On the Ground. So the idea is to teach local women to be yoga teachers so that they can better serve themselves and their communities and use the yoga practice in an adaptive manner. So for this instance, it's teaching primary school students and teen moms. And so just giving them the bones or the structure, so focusing on bodies, so, you know, the asana and the physicalities and the shapes, and then mind, so meditation and breathing techniques. And then my favorite part, of course, is, is heart. So also talking about self-care and how important that is. And, you know, I feel really lucky uh, to have now been in Rwanda two years in a row, you know, mm. doing our teacher trainings and our workshops. And it's just amazing because it doesn't matter if you can speak English or if you can touch your toes. It's so much more than that. It's really about, I would say it's really a practice of the heart. Yeah. And I always, always say it doesn't matter if you can't touch your toes. That doesn't mean you're bad at yoga. Having the heart is is very special. So in terms of like, obviously, I know how Soldier this year and how you got in contact with me, there's been a lot of work with obviously the cultural appropriation and you've always been open with me and obviously you're a white woman working this organization. So what kind of stuff do you think you're now working towards to help everything become more inclusive and communicable so we can keep spreading the happiness of what Soul Journey is bringing everyone. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. So, you know, I think it's about making yoga inclusive and accessible. And so, you know, that comes from having the open conversation and dialogue about how the wellness space needs to change and how there really needs to be, you know, a revolution and how it needs to come from within. And so I think it's absolutely dire that the wellness world opens up to, you know, being representative of amazing, you know, BIPOC teachers and leaders and wellness practitioners. And so the first thing we're doing that I'm super excited about and that you're a part of is that Mm -hmm. we're doing a panel called co-making change in the wellness space. So just having, you know, a conversation about the different ways that we can adjust and change and adapt so that it really does become a holistic practice and that, you know, everyone is welcome to be a part of it. 
And then in addition to that, you know, really excited to bring on new teachers who are diverse and so that we can be reflective of that as well. And I've spoken to you about this as well, mm -hmm. how absolutely empowering I think it will be to have, you know, a teacher of color travel and engage with, you know, the young girls and how it's, I just think it's going to be even more special because, you know, not to say that it's necessarily like a mirror reflection, but it's not you know, yet another, you know, white person, you know, operating in the charity space. And then, you know, the biggest mission for me is the teacher training, because why is it that local women aren't trained in how to teach yoga? We know it's a multi-million dollar industry. We know that wellness is becoming ever more popular, especially to touristic destinations. And, you know, I'm so over hotels and resorts and retreat centers importing teachers where the local women that live there are stuck being receptionists or cleaners. And it's like someone needs to come and educate these women and employ them because, everyone's making money off of yoga and they should be as well oh my gosh like as you've just said that it just made me think so much so about how many jobs there are out in the world where they try and get teachers from like say the uk or us to come and be retreat teachers in like say places like morocco but they they don't ever use locals and that's such a weird weird concept of now as you've said that to think about yeah, it's really bizarre. And I think it's really dated and it's imperialism and colonialism and it's all those things that, you know, we're trying to, you know, very much, you know, push back and say that we don't want to be a part of it. I certainly don't. Yeah. You know, my goal is, you know, to eventually have it be that, you know, the retreats can operate with, you know, local women who live there and to have studios that are representative of that. It shouldn't be, you know, white owned. It should be local owned. Yeah, I, I really hear that. And I think in a recent podcast, I think you were on, you spoke about where you see Solgen and you want to build these sort of satellite yoga studios that are Solgen. Is that still sort of like an, a focus for you? Yeah, I mean, it absolutely is. I think that would be the most incredible thing is to, you know, have been doing these teacher trainings and to expand our teacher trainings as well. And, you know, they're free for the women to do. Um, we've been really fortunate in that we've been given, you know, grant money and, you know, donations are, of course, more than welcome just so that we can keep, you know, doing this work. Because once again, like to me, this is the real heart of it. It's like, yes, we do yoga on our retreats. And like, yes, the retreats are absolutely incredible. But, you know, it's also a luxury to be able to travel in that way. And so I want us to have deeper roots and to grow stronger trees and to really, you know, populate the world with, with using, you know, yoga for good, not to sound cheesy, but, you know, it shouldn't just pertain to a certain group of people who have to have the right kit or the right mat or, you know, the, the right retreat. It should mm. be for everyone. You know, in, in Rwanda in February, there were um, dads who were primary school, like science teachers who were, who were doing it and, you Aww. know, three pose and, you know, you know, young women who were 18, who were designing their own meditations and it should be accessible for everyone. I think that's such a powerful message to with the way that obviously the cultural appropriation and everything is being spoken about right now. Yeah. Just thank you for doing all the work that you're doing, because I think there's a word that really sat with is that saver word. Can you expand? So, you know, it's a level of selflessness and, you know, giving back without, you know, wanting something 
in in exchange for that and i really do think that that comes with wanting to connect and wanting to support and wanting to provide someone an opportunity of education because so often we take it for granted especially you know growing up in the states or growing up in the uk where you have access to education and for so many young women it really is the fork in the road to having a completely different quality of life and so it's through you know the three to five hundred dollar donations that we provide scholarships and uniforms and books and school supplies and you know dormitory tuition and sanitary napkins and a lot of the things that i think we don't really, you know, think about mm. in terms of it just being, you know, what the accumulation of maybe a couple weeks of, you know, flat whites or something like that. <laughs> but, you know, you know, a little goes a long way, especially in these places and to learn about the history and to have that connection with someone to me is really what it's all about. Oh, wow. I honestly cannot wait until we are allowed to travel again. And once you've got your retreats up and running and to come, come and be on one of these retreats, which is going to be really exciting. Being on one for next year. It's oh. like still like fresh until we have like the dates firmed up because I'm, I'm so like superstitious from, from, you know, all of the COVID stuff. But as soon as yeah. it's like clear like you know we'll we'll announce and it's going to be fantastic I'm super yeah excited. I think everyone is going to have the travel bug but more so to be helping other women like I think what people forget about is you know COVID may have happened but these other issues are still very much there you're still wanting to support and help women's empowerment women's health women's you know everything you've just said those issues never like run away just because a new big global issue has come up yeah I mean the good news is you know, for a lot of the organizations that we work with, you know, the girls are finally returning back to the dorms, but for the majority of the year, they've, you know, been extracted and, you know, have had to work so hard to stay on top of their studies and, you know, to make sure that, you know, they're not falling behind. And then on top of that, you know, the, the biggest issue that I think we're going to see globally as a result of COVID is going to be, you know, malnutrition and starvation. Mm, yeah and working and that that is really really tough because i think also sort of read a fact where it was like currently there's over 130 million young women around the world that are denied an education and it's really hard to hear that it does come back down to the work that people can do to support and help and you're obviously making that one opportunity creating that one opportunity for people to do that Thank you. You know, I think it's about connecting with these. They're not huge organizations that we work with. They're small and they go deep and not wide in terms of, you know, serving a region or a specific population of young women. And oftentimes it's even about providing, you know, support for the families as well. So giving them different opportunities to be able to, you know, either, you know, grow their farms or um, have microfinancing, you know, loans and things like that. And so I feel really lucky that we have such a beautiful global community and that have done so much more that I could do in this one lifetime. And, you know, just being able to say that, you know, we're connected with Khmer and Rwanda or Sacred Valley Project in Peru or um, Ponhiri Lee Foundation in Cambodia and mm. so many others is just really, to me, what it's all about. Wow. Because I know you said you tend to stick the same sort of places you build relationships with, with obviously sustainability and everything like that. So what are the top places that people can come visit if they do come on a retreat um, or a teacher training? So in 
in the works for next year. Uh, we, you know, have our annual retreat to Peru and that supports the Sacred Valley project. Uh, last year we did La Lela in, in Cape Town. So that uses art to support different students in, in townships. And we were working with their female empowerment population. Uh, so secondary year students. Um, there's so many. <laughs> in, in Rwanda, we have Camara, so that you know uses sport for self empowerment and, and education with with young women in in the eastern province of Rwanda. Um, in Morocco, uh, education for all, so providing support for young women in Berber communities, and then also um, Rosie Foundation in Sri Lanka. So those are just a couple uh, to list in terms of, you know, what's on the horizon. But in the past, we've done Nicaragua before and the Tibetan Plateau. And, you know, for me, it's it's about trying to sustain the same ones and then also gradually, you know, rotating and building in you know new organizations and new retreats and new experiences as well. Yeah. So if there's anyone out there that have places that they think um, Soljun could work. So please do get in touch with us. Um, but in terms of, um, I guess, if you were to look back on when you first started this to where you are now, would you be happy of where you've come with the journey of not just Soljun, but you as a person as well? Yeah, I think so. I think I'm a lot more grounded, you know, than I was at you know, 25, 26, when, when I first wanted to do this, I think it's definitely been a journey and a half and realizing that, you know, I can't do everything on my own and how important it is to have, you know, a team behind you and people who really love and support you. And will be honest with you as well, which is why I'm so open to having, you know, these discussions and dialogues because, you know, I'm not perfect. The organization's not perfect. I try my best to make it, you know, as inclusive and accessible and um, welcoming as possible. But, you know, it's a process. That is just it because as sometimes women, we want to do everything. We want to control everything. We do want to shape the future together, which is empowering to have a community behind you, of course. And I think that's why I'm so excited to be part of the soldier and community coming next year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's going to be so special. And I can't wait to see more of this unfold. And I guess like looking into that, like you said, you started this when you were like 25, 26, like that's whereabouts that's my age now, kind of 26. What kind of advice would you give for someone that is on this sort of search for happiness, I guess, to a certain degree? I think it's so important to realize what you, what you don't like is just as important as what you like, if not honestly more so. So I think it's a matter of trying many things and realizing this works for me. This doesn't work for me. This worked for me a few years ago and I'm going to put it down and maybe I'll put it back up. And, you know, I think so often there's this tendency to only lean into the things that, you know, we're comfortable in or we feel safe in. But so much of life is about, you know, going on adventures and taking risks. And it's okay if you fail. It's okay if you mess up. You know, you'll learn from it and you'll grow from it and you'll be an even more compassionate person when you leave. That's such a great way of putting it. And this, this sort of like, um, I guess, comes into how you identify yourself as well, right? Like, I think you do so many different things. How do you think this this sort of perceives how you identify yourself or 
how you say, right, this is what I do, because I think it's so hard sometimes for someone that is like, you know, doing all these different things to say, yeah, this is what I'm doing and really own what you're doing. You know, I think it's changed a lot. Like I know when, you know, my parents were in their you know, 20s and 30s and, and whatnot, he was like, you had one profession and that was what you did. And that was the thing that you committed to. But it's very much changed now in that, you know, people are choosing their own identities in so many different, incredible, multifaceted ways. And you don't have to be one thing. You can be multiple things. You can change the thing that you associate with. And so I think it's about not being glued or attached to one particular role, but just knowing that we're complicated creatures and we're complex creatures at that. And, you know, you can be as many things as you want to be, or you don't have to be anything. You can be one thing or nothing. You can, yeah, you decide. I love that. And I think this is a great time to sort of transition into say quick wife questions, but it turns into deep chats. <laughs> they all really come together with what this podcast is about in terms of really finding our fears and finding our place in the world. The first question is, what one thing has made you happy today? Ooh, travel. I think travel is the best education. And I know I'm always, I don't want to say, I want to say on my A-game, not in terms of me always being in the best mood, but in terms of being as open and receptive. And, you know, when you're taken out of your element and when you're, you know, thrown into a new situation. It doesn't even have to be necessarily like a huge global experience. I think that's where one has the capacity to really shine because you're vulnerable, you're receptive. It's, it's all new. Yeah. And do you think doing all these uh, retreats and community made you feel that travel bug for sure? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I, I think, you know, seeing how contagious yoga is and you know, having it be, you know, used in a fun, engaging way and really one about connectivity has been, you know, the most heart opening experience for me because, you know, it's not about, you know, hitting the perfect pose or the right inversion. You know, we use yoga as a way to engage with the young women. So we'll do a class, but then it doesn't always have to be physical yoga, right? Mm. We also do art projects or making food together. So cultivating this mood of sangha or community. And that's to me when yoga transitions from just being a physical practice, but to really being a practice of, of everyday life. Absolutely. And, and something that you can take everywhere around the world, as you have shown, which is beautiful. Okay, so leading on to the next question, I think you've kind of tapped into this already. But what are the top three tips you'd give someone in the search of their happiness? Ooh, okay, um, top three tips would be first one is, is try everything. Because, you know, if you try everything, worst case scenario is you don't like it. And then you you know, you don't lose anything by, by trying something new. So true. <laughs> say yes. Saying yes was a big thing. I think that was my New Year's resolution. I want to say when I was like 27, like I was going to say yes to everything and anything that came my way, of course, within reason. But I think it also comes in line with that spirit of being really open. Mm, yeah. I hear you. It's, it's interesting you say, say yes, because I think there's often so much in well-being and self-care where it's like, say no. But I think it's finding that balance, right? And as a teacher, you do. You've got to say yes all the time to get to where you are. And um, you might as well just go for it. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, I think it's, 
of course it's within, you know, judge one's personal judgment and, you know, where they add and, you know, their day or, you know, their week or, or month or, or whatnot. But, you know, you gain more from being open to something than, than you do from shutting off and shutting down and saying like, no, I don't want to try that or no, I don't want to go there or, mm. you know, no, I, you know what I mean? So yes. yeah, to me, it's really about a practice about being, you know, open-minded. Yeah. I am a yes person for sure. And what's your third one, do you think? On finding happiness, trying to try to do something either daily or once a week that isn't self-serving. So trying to do a good deed. I know that sounds kind of, you know, maybe a bit twee, but no. trying to do some like an act of kindness that doesn't benefit you in, in one way or another. So also to like this idea of, you know, really giving anonymously and not needing to, to showcase or highlight or say like, I did this. I, you know, of course it was raising awareness to the organization. I think that's important. Yeah. But random acts of kindness are, are very, very, very nourishing. No, totally. And also like saying, how yeah often like you don't have to say oh look how amazing it is i'm i'm giving this but really really just anonymously um yeah inviting inviting that change for yourself which is so beautiful and such a wonderful thing to do as well so yeah i think those are beautiful three tips so thank you so if you could do one thing to make someone happy what would it be what's your go-to thing to like kind of help a friend or help a family member or something like something to make someone happy? That's such a good question. For me, there isn't like a one go-to because I think it really depends on the person and what, you know, what they like to do and, you know, how they like to feel, you know, supportive and taken care of. And so there's this great book. It's called the five love languages. It came out in the early nineties and it talks about, you know, the different ways that we express and experience love. And so the first one is words of affirmation. So maybe that's telling someone that they look really amazing or that you're really you know, blessed to have them in your life. And then the next one is quality time. So, you know, carving out time, uninterrupted time to spend with that person. Mm. Then the third one is receiving gifts. And that's a big one for me. I love, you know, getting people gifts be it candles or a book or, you know, writing, you know, a handwritten card for me is always all usually a go-to. And then the last two are acts of service and physical touch. So, you know, maybe doing the dishes or, you know, taking out um, the, um, the garbage for someone or, you know, giving someone a hug or, you know, a nice pat on the back are all different ways that, you know, we experience and receive, you know, feelings of love and warmth and support. Amazing. Oh, wow. They sound so wonderful. But I know we were talking about off camera, how often this happy word doesn't really, really sit in your like vocab. Um, I, I really wanted to just like dive into that because I think sometimes when we do talk about it, it can often feel like, oh, but I don't really have it in my vocab right now. What, what do you feel about that word happy? Maybe it's because I listen to a lot of radio, <laughs> Radiohead um, and I grew up, you know, kind of feeling, I don't know, maybe it's just like a personality thing or a Scorpio thing, but I would say like more often than not, like I feel like content or I feel grounded or I feel 
stable, but there's always kind of like ponderings about, you know, what are different ways to, to make myself feel better or be better or, you know, ways to be, you know, more active in, in the world and, you know, other ways to, to be of service. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's a word I, I struggle with for, I don't know why, mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, I think it's a great word. And I think, you know, to experience that kind of, you know, elation and highs and, you know, that very like celebratory exuberance is, is absolutely beautiful. Um, I don't know, maybe for me, it's a little bit softer and quieter mm-hmm. than being and- like, And I think that's such a beautiful thing to also like just let the listeners know as well. Like, you know, we do talk about the word happy, but it's okay to sit there and just feel like, actually, I I don't really have that word in my vocab. Like, I don't really know what that means. And even though we are talking about all these different tips and things that we can do to help others, but ourselves as well, I think that's such a motivation for just understanding the word for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, I think it's also about, like respecting and honoring that we are, you know, equally comprised of light and dark. And some days we may want to lead, you know, lean more into the darkness and, Mm. you know, be angsty and, you know, revert back to being, you know, like a grumbly, you know, 15 year old in a hoodie and, you know, just getting delivered (laughs) and, you know, watching Heathers. (laughs) Love it. Love it. So, which is what's going to dive us into what is your happiness activity? And that could be an activity that makes you happy, that you do for yourself, um, and one that we can sort of challenge um, our listeners on on the Find Your Fizz community. What, what is it that you would like to challenge people to try to do to make them happy? It's a tough question, I know. It's such a tough question. So, for example, in a previous podcast, we had someone that said taking ice baths really really that is what makes them happy by taking an ice bath and it brings happiness and elation (laughs) for me it's 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 to eat your favorite food that's what makes me happy (laughs) and what would you think your favorite food is what is it sushi i love sushi oh yeah i definitely missed that over lockdown i was like i should just make my own sushi cucumber avocado didn't happen didn't happen But it's okay. It's okay. We've still got time to learn. We've still got time to learn. So yeah, maybe it is making your favorite food. So if you are going to make a sushi, you can make sushi. (laughs) Totally. Like get the, get a good rice cooker and, you know, order the produce you want and, you know, you can get the, the bamboo, you know, rolls and it's fun. It's fun to, it's fun to, you know, try to make your favorite food, especially something that you would normally, you know, get at a restaurant. Yeah, 100%. Right. That's the challenge for you. Find your fizz community. Make your favorite food and tag us in on on Instagram. (laughs) That would be a joy for this week. Um, And I guess the last question, which is going to sum all this up, it's been such an exciting chat, is what does finding your fizz mean to you? I think for me, you know, finding my fizz is when I'm able to be of service in the world or my community or to my friends and family, and it doesn't feel like work. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I think often they say, you know, you know, you love what you do when it doesn't feel like work. So when you're able to move with synergy and seamlessly and, you know, being able to, to give without, you know, wanting acknowledgement or anything in return and, 
to me that that would be you know living living my fizz yeah I totally feel that I really do that hits me in the heart so much so because I think both the work that both yourself and I do is is helping others a lot through charity and through charity work and I think this is when you were saying some days you do need to just take time where you're not giving so much to everyone else that you can give yourself that same love that you give to others so yeah I I think that is just such a beautiful end to this podcast and look at little Maya you can't see this guys but currently Jordan has got little Maya the dog in her lap and it's so cute we like the same food like the same food we like the same food (laughs) (laughs) that is that is what brings happiness is finding someone to have the same food with as well eh (laughs) she loves salmon sashimi I love salmon sashimi we both love salmon sashimi (laughs) (laughs) I love that oh well thank you so so much Jordan for coming on it's thank you so much for having me this is so inspiring and incredible and yeah, I just love what you're doing and what you're all about and you know super excited for all the amazing collaborations and you know keep up the good work oh, <laughs> you too my love like just before we end where can people find you what's your what's your handles all that jazz go go ahead uh soldierandyoga.com and soldierandyoga uh, is the instagram handle and facebook and then my personal one is J for Jordan Ashley, and that's IG and also the website as well. Maya does not have her own IG, but you can find her on both of those. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I was like, is there one for the dog? <laughs> well, I'll pop that in the show notes. But again, thank you. Honestly, it means so much to me to be part of Soldier. And, and yeah, guys, keep your eyes peeled because I might be doing a Soldier retreat next year, which we're very excited about, COVID permitted, um, of course. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Jordan. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And I can't wait to see you in real life. Everyone, go follow Soldier and go see the incredible work this wonderful human is doing. And uh, yeah, keep being you. <laughs> Oh, that conversation just gave me all the feels. Thank you so much once again to Jordan for joining me today. The work that Soldier is doing is just so inspiring. And I know they are working so hard right now to keep going. So please do go and support them on socials and give them all the love. In case you are interested, they have some amazing speaker series sessions coming up. So please do go and check them out also. I'm super excited to be on one soon and hopefully you may just want to come and retreat with us next year also whilst giving the purest SIVA act of selfless service to others. Thank you once again for joining me for today's chat. If it spoke to you, please do come and connect with me on Instagram at happyheartflow. Let me know what you thought or head to my website happyheartflow.co.uk to subscribe to my newsletter thanks again fizz vibers please do keep sharing this podcast to help me get it out there and spread all the fizz to those that need it i love you all so much for being here i'll see you next time fizz